Greetings, my friend, and welcome to Beyond Curious, conversations with brave adventurers like yourself that are taking voyages into the unknown to satisfy their curiosity, fulfill their purpose, and bring their ideas to life. My name is Brandon Fong, and I am so excited that you are here listening to this right now. I am so grateful for you, whether you are a new friend or an old friend. And I'm also beyond excited to introduce you to today's guest, Christopher Ponyotu. Because let's face it, even though I knew what I knew at 23 when I started, try going up to someone that has a couple million dollars and say, hey, so I'm working out of my apartment. I don't really have a ton of hope, but I know what I'm doing. Give me your life savings and I will manage it within your retirement. Like, (laughs) tough sell. Shout out to Heather Pierce Campbell, who is uh, actually podcast guest episode number 149, who introduced me to Christopher. But it's so funny because when Chris and I first jumped on for a Zoom call to get to know each other a little bit, he saw in my Zoom background, I have a clay Bowser with some Mario mushrooms. And we basically spent the first 30 minutes of our 30 minute call talking about Mario and video games. (laughs) And we just had so much fun on the call. I knew I wanted to have him on the show to dive into a topic that I am always really interested in learning more and diving deeper into. So let me tell you a little bit more about Chris. Chris is a father, husband, podcast host, and business owner of a financial planning firm. He started investing at age 10, got into corporate, hated it, struggling building his own business, and then at one point had $11.14 in his bank account. But today he oversees over $135 million in his practice. And as you will be able to tell from this episode, he is not your traditional financial advisor. He's insanely passionate about what he does with some big energy. And then he's also the host of the podcast, Capitalize Your Finances, and is a keynote speaker on a variety of topics such as financial advice, financial planning, sales, health, and wellness, and comprehensive life coaching. And there is so much to look forward to in today's episode. But as always, I would love for you to look out for these three specific things. Number one, how to leverage the 10% rule to help you to become more unapologetically yourself. That is one of the things that I admire about Chris is he just is him and you you take it or leave it. And he is okay with whatever uh, your interpretation of that is. And I think lots of people really respect that and want to know about that. So look out for the 10% rule. Number two, how you can incorporate your purpose into your investing philosophy. This was really cool. And it was an eye-opening chapter of his book when I read it. And then number three, why one of Chris's mentors flew across the country to hand him a piece of paper and what that piece of paper said that impacted the way he grew his business. Guys, this is a fun episode. If you are somebody that is interested in learning about how to invest in yourself and to grow and to learn how to also make sure you're setting yourself up for financial success. This is something that you are not going to want to miss. So please enjoy this incredible conversation with my friend, Chris Ponyotu. Mr. Christopher Ponyotu, how are you doing, my friend? Super excited to have you here. Dude, I am fired up to be here. And like I was telling you before we got on, this is our, our first guest appearance digitally in the podcast studio, in the in the Capitalize Your Finances HQ studio. So I appreciate you bearing with me on the patience factor and we've made it happen. So So thank you for making it happen today. It is a world's first. And like, you know, like you said, before we were chatting, when we first hung out, it was like, oh my gosh, there is, there's some energetic magic here. I think when we scheduled like a 30 minute session, we spent the first 25 minutes talking about Mario and video games. (laughs) And then we're like, we should probably talk about some other stuff, but so we'll, we'll jump all over the place. And I I would love to start by diving into your story. So I, I picked a really interesting spot that I think might be a fun place to start. Mr. K in seventh grade. Talk to me a little bit about Mr. K. Oh, Mr. K. So Mr. K, if you are listening, shout out to you. So Mr. (laughs) K was kind of a quirky math teacher, shocker. I mean, most math teachers kind of are. And he had a mini, I don't even, I don't even know if you really call it a course, but it was more of a workshop of, I think it was like three to four weeks. And you had to track three types of companies. You had to track a small cap or small company, medium-sized company, and a large company. And I believe the course was whoever had the highest return after that you know, period got an automatic aid for the class. And you know, looking back, that's such a silly thing. But by the time seventh grade comes around, what, you're 13, 14, and I'd already been doing this for for four years, by no means was I an award-winning professional, not even close. 
and and I wouldn't even consider myself one of those today because you're always a student of this game. But back then I really didn't know what I was doing other than the bare minimum. But I knew what a stock was. I knew it was a partial piece of ownership in a business. And there were some very elementary ideas that I had in my head that I could go and help my friends with because they didn't have a clue. Understandably so, because they were like normal children. So we're going through the course. And I remember what sparked my eventual interest into doing what I'm doing today was one of the parents we were at. It was a Friday night. We're at my friend's house. And there was a big event that night. Halo had just come out. Okay. And so, <laughs> so we're ready to play Halo, but we're we're doing our homework because all of my friends, you know, I went to a private school. We were very, we were very good students. That was just something that was in, instilled upon us. So dad comes home from work. We're at the dinner table and, and he's asking what we're studying and what we're working on. And basically the my friend said, Yeah, Chris is teaching us about stocks. And that kind of was like an ear perk moment and the dad said that he had just got done meeting with his advisor which at the time i didn't really even know was a thing and he said oh you know we talked about i forget what the term was but i think it was beta and he goes what's your what's your opinion on beta now for listeners that don't know beta in the world of investing is a fancy greek phrase that describes how your portfolio moves with an index. So if you have a beta of of one, you basically move in tandem. If it's negative one, it's opposite. And if it's zero, there's there's no relationship. I've always thought that to be a completely useless term. And so I told the dad that a little bit more colorfully than I'm telling you. As a 10-year-old, <laughs> you had an opinion as a ten, already. As a 14-year-old, yeah. And, 14, okay. and, uh, and he he kind of was he kind of paused. And he asked, well, why? So I started explaining things. Now, I've always been a believer in the idea of like mom's old adage, don't compare yourself to anyone but yourself. And beta kind of forces you to compare yourself to everyone else. And that's kind of silly because as long as you know within your heart and in this case within your business, everything is working accordingly, who cares? Like who cares. And I basically told the dad that again, with not as much as I, I have now in the knowledge department. So he asks me, what are you doing after dinner? And I mean, clearly I'm 14. I'm doing jack squat with my life. So all my friends are now downstairs playing Halo. I'm in his office talking about his portfolio. Wow. And so I had never read a statement in my life. Couldn't tell you how to read it. It was like Nick Cannon in Drumline. He didn't know how to read, write the actual music, but he knew how to drum. Same thing for me. I never read a statement. I would like talk to my parents to make trades because there was no such thing as Robin Hood back in the day. And so I just explained to him my very elementary framework on investing in a stock. And he was the one that sparked it, not to, to ramble too much on it, that you should do this someday. Like this should be mm. your, your calling. And you fast forward when I was 18, youngest advisor at Union Bank of Switzerland in the world at the time, he was walking out of his advisor's office who also worked there. And that's how actually I got started in the business. So that that's so cool. I'm so glad that I asked that. I didn't know about the Halo side of it. It must have been so captivating the fact that you sacrificed your Halo night to talk about stocks. They must have been like that. The dad yeah. would have been like, "What what is in this kid's milk? What are the parents doing to this kid to make him do yes. that?" But the fact that he saw something in you it must have been really really special for you. Is that early vote of confidence? Yeah, and you know what's interesting? The first layer of like that confidence, because you're always looking for. I don't want to say affirmation, but you are always looking for that, whether it's a father or mother figure in your life. And, you know, I have no relation with, with my father anymore. I, I, back in the day, you know, he was everything, but then I realized who he was and that's why he's no longer here. And it was interesting at that time. And, and I'm a man of faith. Uh, I didn't realize that God was prepping me to be introduced to my eventual new father figure. And mm -hmm. I remember when I, uh, 
when I left the, the big firms, cause I'm not a corporate guy. I'm not a wall street guy, as you've probably figured out. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't last. And I met a family firm before I, I started capitalize your finances, Lucia capital group. And they've always been like family to me. And that's where, you know, for all practical purposes, I met, you know, my, my father figure and, that was the first moment going, okay, here's someone that had just met me. Because my friend's dad, you could have argued, he's known me. So of course you're going to be biased. This guy out of thin air says, hey, I've coached all of these people in the past. I have yet to meet someone like me until I've met you. So and is this is this October 17th, 2014? Is this that date where you were introduced? So, so talk, give a little bit more context around this. Cause I know this was like a light bulb, but transformational moment for you where somebody else stepped in and it's one of those kind of like matrix life takes a different direction kind of a thing. So talk to us a little bit about how you ended up there, what you did to get there. And like, maybe a little bit of like what you were continue, what you were talking yeah. about, about like what he saw in you. So out of respect to him, cause he likes to keep a low profile. I'm going to leave his name out of it. Just like I did in the book, but leading up to it. So I was at Union Bank of Switzerland. I am not going to knock other competitors in our industry. That's just not my thing. But I was miserable, at least in the office I was in. It was a bunch of, let's just frank, frank like, let's just frankly talk about it. Older dudes that were on their way out, they'd made their money. So it was kind of like an 18 year old Chris. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was kind of like just a dude's locker room. Like, you know, what are you going to do? Fire me? Like they're not, they, they'd all made their money. And so even though corporate wasn't my thing, at least they were much more open about what got them there. And also you got to remind yourself that all of these guys, it was mainly guys. I think out of the 30 or 40 advisors, there was like one woman that was an advisor. Everyone else was dudes. So a lot of these guys were stockbrokers back in the day. So financial planning wasn't even really a thing. Like it started in the 80s, but it wasn't really a thing until I would say, frankly, the mid-2010s, which is when I started my, my practice uh, for all practical purposes. So once I left to Morgan Stanley, I was miserable. It was a year. In fact, it was one of those things where I used to have a really good memory about like everything in my life. And I do not remember almost all of 2014, which was Locked when I out. was at <laughs> the only thing I can really remember. And this is not like suicidal or any of that, but in, in Tacoma, there's a, there's in downtown Tacoma, there's a, there's a bridge that basically br brings together the downtown and then the port. And I would walk over to that bridge every day and just look out into the water and ask myself, what in the hell am I doing? Like I was miserable. That's the only thing I really remember about that time. And my mom was a listener of my, my mentor who I'm going to remain nameless out of respect to him for years. And he was throwing a seminar in the area. And I was really desperate on just like getting out of corporate and I was really tired of the financial advising world to the point where if I left Morgan and I didn't find Lucia Capital Group, I would have just given up. I would have found something else out. I was so disgusted with this business. And I meet him. First off, I listen to a seminar. I'm taking notes. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And there's a woman next to me. I will never forget this. And she kind of leans over, says, hey, do you know this guy? And I go, well, no, but like I, I'm picking up what he's putting down. It was just all making sense to me. And I'm writing down notes. I've got my HP 12C calculator out. I'm just knocking things out left and right. So I said, hey, let me explain to you what he's talking about. She goes, oh, okay. So she's leaning over and I'm trying to keep quiet during this seminar and kind of explain things. And she said, you know, if you ever worked with this man's firm or son's firm, it would be well worth your time to give me a call because I would hire you tomorrow. And I'm like, well, that was easy. And I felt fulfilled. 
for the first time in my life. I know that word is a really cliche word these days because people are like, oh my gosh, the sense of fulfillment, the sense of accomplishment. It's like, okay, but like how many people actually mean that? I felt like my heart felt full. And me being me, I walked up to the guy and I asked him like, do you have any time for lunch today? I know you flew out. Well, God had his hand on me like he always does because my mentor's lunch meeting got canceled. And so we chopped it up for, gosh, probably three hours and just talked about everything. And that's how I, I was inspired to say, okay, here's a guy who's been around the block and he's not saying this just to pull it out of his rear end because he's not that guy. And He's taking the time. He's taking the time to block out his schedule when I flew down to San Diego to meet him. He he took the time. For the first two years of my career, I remember he told me, if you ever need help, call me. Now, for certain reasons, he could not help me directly. And again, I'm going to leave that out of it out of respect to his situation. But we spoke every night. And I'm not exaggerating. Christmas, New Year's, my birthday, we spoke every night for at least an hour, sometimes three to four, for, yeah, two to three years. And I'm forever grateful for that because that initial compounding of my success, like by the time I'm 26, I'm going into meetings solo, just like I am today. It's me and my my amazing teammate, Betty. and. People were kind of going, man, this guy's got a lot of confidence for what he's putting out there. And it's like, well, yeah, because what were you doing with your life in your 20s? Probably not a lot. I committed everything to this. And so by the time the compounding happened, I mean, even though I'm 32, I've been coach. There have been times where planners who are literally double my age are calling me, asking me these questions. And I used to think, why are you doing like you should know better? But if you haven't committed to the craft like I have with mine or Brandon, like you have with yours, you don't have the experience. Experience has nothing to do with your age. It has everything to do with the experience earned in the meetings that you have. So the more meetings you have and the more interactions you have, the more experienced you are. Oh, man, there's so much to unpack there that I just want to make sure that everybody just go back and there, there's just so much gold there that I want to unpack. The first thing is like, I love how you put yourself in the room. You did what was necessary. You knew you were unhappy and you put yourself in that room. And the thing that I think holds people back, there's actually this really, really cool clip with Steve Jobs. And it, he was talking about like when he was younger, he used to, he called up Bill Hewitt in the phone book and said, you know, I, I'm, I'm Steve Jobs. I'm 12 years old and I want to build a frequency counter. And like, he ended up getting a internship when he was like 12 years old at Hewlett Packard. And, and it kind of the, the crux of that whole video is Steve talks about how like most people never ask like and it is that simple but it's the fact that you not only put yourself in that room but you made the ask to ask this person to lunch and I, I want to zoom in a little bit more on this mentorship relationship because I think this is really really important and I think uh, anybody that has been impacted by mentors or is interested and passionate about mentors and being mentored never stops, right? As you talked about earlier, it's like, oh. if you're constantly learning and growing, you are constantly being mentored. And so I've started to observe this pattern in the relationships that I've had. So I kind of want to share it with you, Chris. I'm curious to see if you feel like this kind of like reflected your pattern, but like he said to you in the beginning, if you ever need help, call me. And that's one of those things where I know you give keynotes, I've given keynotes before too. It's like, sometimes you offer something like that out to the world and nobody actually ever takes you up on it. And what I've kind of started to realizes that there's this been this pattern in the relationships I've built with mentors. And then I started calling it like the mentorship infinity loop. And there's basically like two sides to the infinity loop. One side is giving advice and the other side is action and gratitude. So if you imagine like an infinity, like circle yeah. kind of going back and forth. And so what I realized is that the more times you complete that loop, the stronger the relationship gets with your mentor. And most people don't ever close the loop. Most people don't ever or take the advice and report back. But, but the more times that advice is given and action and gratitude is expressed, the more time yeah. you complete that circle over and over and over again, the stronger the relationship gets to the point where you guys were speaking every night over Christmas and New Year's and your birthday. So I'm just kind of curious if you can maybe unpack a little bit for somebody that is interested in mentorship or wants to build out a little bit more mentors, like the relationship that you had that impacted your life. If you can maybe talk a little bit about the intricacies about how you built that relationship. Man, there, there's a lot there. So 
let's start with the mentorship aspect of things. And then we're just going to see where this goes. So sure. no one asks ever. And it's, it's really interesting because I'm not going to degrade success that I've had, success that you've had, and success that your listeners either have or are striving to have. Because not everyone is going to be successful. Hate to say it, that's life. But it's interesting because there is, especially in the year of our Lord and Savior 2023, there is so much out there for you to be successful. Like there really isn't an excuse. You know, mm. some people, they just, the stars don't align. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I can tell you out of the, can I say this? Yeah, probably thousands of people I've actually met with for personal planning. There has been one, and I am dead serious, one account where I met this guy, never been married, no kids, was probably I think he was like 58, never became a client because he didn't have a pot to piss in. But there, I'm listening to this guy's story and I thought, whoa, like there is not a single star in the universe that has aligned for this guy. So that guy, I just feel really, really bad for. Everyone else that has had, right, their, their life, come to where it is today it's generally because of poor decisions or lack of good decisions so as far as the mentorship side of things yes it's been a blessing i was born an extrovert if you haven't figured that out and so i have no problem talking to people but there is an art to it one thing i actually will say is you know as far as the mentorship side of things Yes, it's extremely valuable, but you have to have built-in processes and frameworks within yourself before you can go reach out to a mentor. So I'm just going to use me as an example. If someone called me, which don't do that, I have a child, I have, you know, <laughs> I, have, I have enough going on right now where it's like, you know, I'm not, I am not open for business to mentor anyone unless you're willing to pay an arm and a leg in half of your childhood memories. But Let's say okay. <laughs> that hypothetically, I was ready for that and you reached out to me and you, now that I know you, you tell me your deal, you've already gone through a tremendous amount of challenge and struggle to get to where you are. You are at that point where you're either successful or you're turning the corner to success and you need someone to guide you, mentor you. I would look at that and go, okay, you've got the built-in framework and principles in you for this to be successful. But let's say that you come to me and you don't have any of those things. You're just kind of a, a dweeb that calls and says, hey, I've listened to your show and can you mentor me? That is the fastest way to get hung up by anyone because you mm -hmm. haven't put in the work within yourself. I, I can tell you it's going to be kind of a switching gears thing. You know, I'm very fortunate that I had the mentor that I that I had and, and still have today, although, you know, life gets very busy and, and we don't get to talk nearly as much as we used to. And that actually really pains me as a side note because he's the closest thing now I have to a dad. But I can tell you the success that I have had has actually come from the gym. It has not come from the actual business side of things. So like growing up, we were a financially decently well-off household, you know, and going to a private school, we were surrounded with people with like, like millions and millions of dollars. And so I, I saw that life and yes, we grew up fortunate, but there was always that excuse. And still to this day where people can make an excuse of, Oh, Chris got to where he was because of his family, or he was raised in this circumstance, or he had this benefit, or his parents planned accordingly. So like college was paid for, which I'm forever grateful for. And that always pissed me off because I know the work that I put in, but also a blessing that God graced on, on, on my heavenly presence was I was born with Crohn's disease. And so I was always angry that I wasn't able to be as healthy as my friends. And that was my Christmas wish for years growing up. I asked Santa, I want to be healthy and I never got it. So the anger mm. compounded to the point where I was in 10th grade and I said, screw it. I will either die trying or I will get healthy. And I was very literal in that. And 
I remember compounding that, not to go down that rabbit hole, unless you want to, where I, you know, was able to run for 30 minutes and then do a hundred push-ups and a hundred sit-ups and a hundred body squat, weight squats. And then I got introduced to the gym and then I got into powerlifting and then I started competing in drug-free bodybuilding. And that's when my Crohn's went into complete remission. It's been in remission for like, I think 11 years now. And so wow. once I started my business, I was able to take that mental model of, oh, I will either die trying or I will be successful. So I had all of these frameworks already built in so that when I did approach my mentor, now I didn't have my business, but I had my bodybuilding background and the fact that I overcame my Crohn's disease and all that. So he knew, okay, this guy isn't like certifiably useless. Like he's already done some tricks of the trade where he's got the potential. So I guess my point is mentorship is extremely important, but you've got to figure out some frameworks within yourself before you approach a mentor. Because if you don't have that, you're never going to get a mentor because they're not going to waste their yeah. time. Yeah. hundred percent. I love that too. And I think there's so many different forms of mentorship, right? Like I, I think the, the term is really heavy when people think it's like a really formal relationship. I have never asked anyone to be my mentor, but I consider lots of the people that are friends to be a mentor. I would even consider you to be a mentor, Chris, in some capacity, right? Like there's, there's so many different ways for us to expand and grow when you are treating relationships the way you do it. And like you said, that you're willing to invest in yourself and, and, and really show up in those relationships. It completely changes the game. So I would love to, uh, there's one more component to this relationship that I think is really important that I want to kind of dive a little bit into. We'll, we'll flip flop back and forth between your story and some of the content in your book, which is, is I'm super excited to talk about the purpose, the very first chapter of it. So we'll, I'll plant that seed and we'll get there. But one thing that I want to kind of, that, that really stood out to me in your book, when you talked about your relationship with your mentor is he flew out to you once to hand you a piece of paper. I would love for you to share what was on that piece of paper and maybe tell, talk a little bit about that story. Yeah. So this was probably odd two years ish into the business. And, you know, I was really fortunate. There was a, there was a, a white paper I read by an author, a financial planning author in our industry named Michael Kitzes. Brilliantly smart, extraordinarily long in the tooth, like one paragraph he can stretch into 10 pages, but like very, very helpful for someone that is desperate for knowledge. And I remember he wrote a rule or a paper on the rule of three years. So the first year you become known in business, second year you become trusted, third year referrals come in from year one, the guinea big clients as he calls it, year four and on, you're off to the races and in, in, in you're, you're going gangbusters. So anytime I was really struggling, I thought of the rule of three and that carried me through those tough years. Well, I would call it for me more like the rule of five, <laughs> it, 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 it just took longer, you know, because let's face it, even though I knew what I knew at 23, when I started, try going up to someone that has a couple million dollars and say, Hey, so I'm working out of my apartment. I don't really have a ton of hope, but I know what I'm doing. Give me your life savings and I will manage it within your retirement. Like <laughs> tough sell, really <laughs> tough sell. And so, you know, those first two years were miserable. And I remember he was flying up to meet with a, a business partner. And so we got dinner and he read, he pulls out this piece of paper and he goes, I've been thinking about you. I've been thinking about our dinner and I know what you're going through because he went through it. And the piece of paper, and I actually wrote about it in, in my book. It's the story of how, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but how a man was asking God why? Like, why are you not helping with X, Y, Z, whether it's a flood, whether it's famine. And so this man would go and he would pray and pray and pray. Nothing would happen. So then he would go and get it done. He would pray and pray and pray. Nothing would happen. He would go and get it done. And so then finally, at the very end, when he was on his last limb, as far as just, you know, hope that God would come and help, he asked God, why, why on earth have you not come and helped. I've been praying. I've been asking. I've been asking. I've had to do all of these things. And then God answered to him, no, 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 no. I, I didn't need to send help. I sent you. <laughs> and that hit me really hard because I was frustrated 
with the idea of why isn't anyone wanting to hop on the capitalized bandwagon? <laughs> why? Like, I know what I've got going. Yes, God's blessed me with a lot of energy and a lot of passion with what I do. Some can find it very obnoxious. That's okay. You know, you're missing out. But, you know, as a side note, I would meet with so many of my friends in business and I'd say, let's build something together. Like, let's start a strategic alliance. Let's build, let's grow, let's make it happen. Let's capitalize on the opportunity at hand. And every single time at the end of the conversation, they pull up their watch and go, dude, I got to get back to the office. Like my lunch is almost done. I'm like, no, like that is not right. <laughs> so then I just said, screw it. I will, at that moment, I was starting to realize, okay, I'm trying to pull in all of these people around me, whether it's business partners and investors that I, I, I work with to help out with my clients or, you know, other CEOs or CPAs or attorneys, whatever the case is. And that story hit me so hard knowing that, okay, you know what? The good Lord's blessed us with a lot of skills and a lot of, of, of gifts. And for me, it happens to be energy, passion, my craft, and knowing that I can move the needle in a major way. And I'm also doing something that no one else in our industry is doing, which is where capitalize your finances actually, you know, was born from. But I was focusing on getting someone else to replace what I am doing. And that moment, switched in my head very, very quickly to the point of going, okay, I'm mad that no one else is getting on this bandwagon to screw it. I'm either going to die trying or I'm going to figure this out because God didn't send anyone else to do this. He sent me to do what my purpose is. And that's also, you know, you, you mentioned like life's purpose. That is what inspired one of the first chapters in my book, What is Your Purpose? Because a lot of people... And it's interesting. You've got all of these uh, gurus out there, gurus that talk about, you know, what is your purpose? What is your calling? But there's no substance behind it. None. You know, I, I'm not a complex dude. I, I'm really not. Like, I'm I'm pretty black and white. There, there's no second guessing for those that know me. Like, hmm, I, I really wonder what Chris was thinking about on this topic. You know, like, I'm going to tell you, but one thing I realized very early on was when I started in the business, and I know we're kind of going all over the place, so I apologize, but in, in the world of business, when you're starting out, you have no money, none, okay? I don't care if you go private equity, you're just starting it out of your garage like Steve Jobs did, like you have nothing and you have no hope and you have no success. You are bare bones, nothing. So the first thing that most people are trying to do is they're trying to make money. They're trying to break even. They're trying to survive. And I ran into the devil's dance of my purpose was, oh, I'm going to make this amount of money. I'm going to break even and do this. And, the, and then I will be happy. Then I will be successful. That's not the case, like at all. Now, it was when I had $11.14 to my name and I was almost royally screwed. But as I started paying off debts and, and, and paying off loans to get the business going and all of that and compounding and then taking distributions and reinvesting in myself, no different than I, I teach clients how to do it. I, I realized, okay, I'm going to be good. But if I keep trying to go the next dollar, the next dollar, the next dollar, you're becoming a slave to the next the next dollar hurdle. And so for me, figuring out what my purpose was, it gave me a really solid foundation. But then the difference is now that you know qualifiably what you're about, the rest of my framework quantifiably builds you through the rest of your life. And you always come back to, why am I doing this? And if it's because, oh, I'm trying to get another dollar, that's not a good purpose. In fact, that's not even a purpose to, to begin with. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And there's so much that you share there that I just want to highlight. And first of all, thank you for sharing that, that it took you really, you know, you needed the five year rule, because I think I know, I know yeah. you talk about in this book, and I highlighted this in the book is fall in love with the process and learn to live with the proceeds. I thought that was so yes. solid. I never heard that before. But it, 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 I know you talk about this in the book, but it is so true, because like everybody sees people's B 
in social media. You, they didn't see the A, the journey from A to B, right? And so the fact that you know you 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 did have eleven dollars to your name at one point, and you literally walked the process that you now teach is significantly different. And in, in, in many ways, I think it kind of gave you the the confidence that you have today, because you literally was your, you were your first transformation story, right? You had to leverage lots of this for yourself, not only in the personal finance side of things, but also in the process of starting your own business, which like you said, like we all start out at ground zero. So I, I love that so much. And I, I would love to expand a little bit on what you just said too, about your purpose. I, I think it would be first of all, clarifying, if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about your specific purpose, but also your family's purpose, because you put some thought behind this as well. I know you and I are both new dads, and we were just jamming about our our daughters. Uh, but but thinking a lot about this and how we can leverage our purpose in decision making, specifically financially, but also in the rest of our, our, our life, I think is a really important heuristic as we kind of like think about the other components of our journey. So I would love for you to maybe share a little bit about your purpose and your family's purpose. Yeah. So and in fact, you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to grab one of my books, because I want to now, anyone that tells you that they've written a book and memorized it verbatim is a liar, okay? They are a first-class liar. Like, I had, who did I have? Oh, I, I I forget what the show was. And you know what? I'm not even going to say who it was because now I'm remembering it, but out of respect. And they almost kind of called me out like, well, and they've never written a book. Most people haven't, just fun fact. And they're like, well, you wrote the book on it. Like, how do you not know? I'm like, bro, when you write a book, and, and for those of you that are, are listening in, that are Brandon's followers that have written a book, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you have not written a book, let me tell you something. By the time the book comes out, you never want to read or see that book ever again. Like, it's like PTSD with all the editing and all that fun stuff. So I, I want to no, read I, I... Yeah, yeah please ahead. read it verbatim, but I also want to double down on that really quick because this is a nuance that most people don't understand as an interviewer. Like, it's funny because it's like, sometimes you want to ask a question about a book and like, you'll tee up the question and then they the, the, the author's like, I don't I don't quite know. It's happened to me a few times. <laughs> so it is funny because that is a nuance that most people don't understand. But yes, oh. uh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, they, they just don't. And, and actually, it's interesting, you know, as a side note too, because like when I have guests on and they've written a book, you know, it's a challenge with capitalize your finances because you you're reading it for the questions of a financially based framework. So like when I had the drummer of Maroon 5 on or the fullback of the Miami Dolphins, shout out to Dusik and Ingold, love you guys to death. You know, that that was by no means a finance book. They're two of my favorite books of all time, but reading it's like, okay, how am I going to conjure up a a finance question? And so very similar to like being an author in writing a book and never wanting to see it again, by the time you're done reading a book for a podcast to give the best content and questions to ask the guest, you are so done with that book. Like it is exhausting. So I, I just wish people knew how much work actually went into that as a, as a side note, but back 100%. to your, you know, back to, back to the purpose. So, so I'm going to read my purpose first and let me, actually backtrack before I go into that. So this was probably three to four years into my, my business. I'm at a networking event and one of my best friends who's actually been on our show, Josh Dunn. I remember I met him the second day I was in business and he's been a, he's been like a mentor and, and, and father figure to me in many, many ways. And his thing was, you know, finding your purpose. And, and he, is one of the few guys that I can talk about everything with, you know, business, faith, family, you know, sports, what's going on in the world, you name it. And his recommendation was, okay, find a quiet place, take some time to yourself. And when you're at peace with yourself, you're actually going to figure out what your purpose is. So I took that literally and I locked myself in my apartment, home office. It was basically a closet for a whole day. And I just started writing down things on this whiteboard that I had of what was really important. And then I kept funneling, 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 and whittling it down to the point where I said, my purpose was, and still is, this is directly from my book, to grow myself in all aspects of life so that I can not only be a steward to my character, but instill the same mindset in those that aspire to be great. And why that was super important to me was I believe I'm on the calling that I'm on. I do. And and it it's not my calling. It's what the good Lord has blessed me with. And I'm just being a steward of his work. 
And being a steward of your character is everything because if you don't have character, you're nothing. And so my whole purpose is the second I'm able to move that needle, instead of just compounding that, compounding that and getting to that in my life and dying with all that knowledge that I have, I take one step forward, I reach back and I pull other people along with me. I take another step forward. It may take me longer, right, to get to that point, but I will tell you the most valuable asset that you and I will ever have it is not a stock. It is not a bond. It is not a piece of real estate. It's not your podcast. It's not my business. It is the goodwill that Brandon Fong has. It is the goodwill that Chris Poniotu has. Because as you're building that goodwill, someday, this is going to pain, pain for you to hear. This will be a pain for you to hear. Your podcast will no longer be here. My podcast will no longer be here. My business will no longer be here. Now, hopefully it's going to be a long time. But what will always remain is the goodwill that you have built. So it doesn't matter what you're deciding to do in life. If you called me and said, hey, dude, I'm just going to make this up. I'm starting an HVAC unit and I'm going national. I need your help. <laughs> I don't even need to know the business, but I know the goodwill that you've built up and the character that you are. So that's what my purpose is about. Now, there's a difference between your purpose and then if you are happily married like I am and you are right and you have children then your family's purpose should be similar but but slightly different because you are not your whole family and so what my wife and I did my lovely wife Stephanie shout out baby I love you is we sat down and we thought about our family's purpose which is to continuously communicate with each other to further our growth as a family, which in turn will allow our family to assist in the growth of our immediate community. Because for us, we know that we have this blessing and gift, and in this case of financially compounding successfully. And again, it's not ours to keep. So you have to constantly communicate with, with each other, which is big for us. By the way, for those of you that are, you know, thinking it's very cliche, communication is the most important thing in marriage, especially when you have kids and you are sleep deprived, which Brandon <laughs> and I have in common, okay? <laughs> and, and so, you know, for us to communicate consistently and understand that we're building our, our foundation at a very rapid rate, faster than frankly most people will, just due to the nature of what I do, very similar to, to Warren Buffett, you take those gains that you've been blessed with. And if you are able to sprinkle that back into the community that did lift you up, it's that it's that mentorship infinity that you were talking about. It's the same framework. It's the same concept. And so for your listeners that are trying to figure out what your purpose is, I don't recommend lock yourself in a closet like I did, but like do something similar. Go somewhere silent. Think about what is the most important thing to you jot everything down and then just process of elimination once you find that one thing construct your purpose sentence around it yeah i love that and i'm so again so grateful to always hear other people's perspective on how they came across what their purpose is and how they're effectively living that out i would encourage anybody if you if this is tickling your brain and you're really interested in diving more in this i would check out episode 140a i literally did a deep dive on like the entire process that i used to uncover my purpose but i, I love i just love so much chris you have no idea how happy it made me when i opened your book and i saw this was the first chapter because like i've never seen a personal finance book that like starts with your purpose as the thing and like why wouldn't you start with the north star that is governing everything else and the fact that you even thought about your family purpose behind it as well but yeah there's there's so much that you said there and i think it's really important that like you said, your purpose is just a part of your family's purpose. So like having that conversation. So my wife, Lee and I sat down together actually a few days before Kaya was born and thought about our, our family core values, right? And like, how do we leverage our family core values to guide decision-making? And I think it's just such an important thing to have as a foundation for everything that you're doing. And especially, you know, when you're, when you're looking at all the infinite ways that you can kind of create your financial life. I know in your book, you talk about salsa, right? Like everybody, <laughs> everybody likes salsa, make salsa differently, right? And there's infinite decisions that you can make in creating your life. But like, what is that thing that you're going to constantly turn back to and make sure that you're leveraging as uh, an effective way to construct a life on purpose? And that's just super, super beautiful. So I love that in so many ways. Awesome. Well, one piece of advice, I mean, you can't go backwards, but for those of you that are listening, that if your spouse is about to have a child, if your wife's about to have a child, like two days, 
before you're thinking about like your life's purpose, highly recommend you wait because the hormones are high. And frankly, <laughs> like that is, that is the definition of high risk of what you yeah. did. I'm glad you pulled it off, but I can tell you, I would probably not recommend that to 99% of people. So, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's good. And it's, it's totally worth it. So again, go check out episode 140A if you want to go check that out. Chris, I know we're, we're kind of coming up on time and I know we haven't even scratched the surface on, on the content that you have inside of your book and the personal finance stuff. So this is the stuff that like, you know, I just watched the Mr. Rogers video or movie a while ago. And he's like, finance is one of those things where it's like, people don't want to talk about it or you don't want to look at it. And it's like, Mr. Rogers talks about if it's mentionable, it's manageable. Right. And so like, if you want to deep dive into all the fundamental first principles of like constructing your financial security in a way that is going to set you up for the rest of your life, I highly recommend go checking out Chris's book. But there's one thing that is, I I had an asterisk to, to make sure that I asked you, Chris, because it's really apparent that the guy that you meet when I hung out with you and the guy that I read on the page in the book is the same one and the same one that I'm talking to you today. Ah. And I heard, I heard a few other podcasts where you were talking about like being okay with not everyone liking you. And I think it's a really important thing that lots of people are worried about, especially as you're creating public content, you have a podcast, you're sharing your thought leadership. You know, there's that part of us that feels like we want to be, you know, accepted and loved, but you are somebody that I, I, I would, I would, this is actually one of our family core values is unapologetically you. And, and it takes bravery to be who you are and not worry about what other people think. And you're willing to say things, make comments and be you in a way that, you know, might piss some people off and you're okay with that. So I, I, it takes, I'm sure you weren't always this way. Maybe there was some component, but I would love for you to maybe share a little bit about your journey about being unapologetically you and stepping into that space without really, you know, taking too much of mental drainage from overthinking about what everybody's thinking about you all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate that. And kudos to you, man. You definitely did your your homework, which both thank you. And then I, I apologize if you had to listen to that much of me, but you know, <laughs> I, there, there's a couple things. <laughs> so I have always, yeah, yeah. I've always been this way, not to the extent that I'm at now, but I've always been this way. Like I've always kind of danced to my own tune. I've always, I didn't really fit in the lane growing up. I had my own lane. My my brother, Tyler, has always told his friends, and he's told me this, when they ask, oh, so what's Chris like? And he, I mean, without hesitation, will say, you will never meet another person like Chris. Now, I don't know what that means because that's that's just who I am, but I, I guess a lot of people have, have agreed with that. I, I can tell you, as far as not caring what other people say about you, you know, we live in this world where like cancel culture is a huge thing. And I, it's funny, this one, my brother and I kind of differ because you know, as a content creator, which I don't really like calling myself that I'm a financial planner. I run my business, but you know, most people know me for something that is not my main thing, which is as a side note, really peculiar, but I've made comments when we're recording. He's like, "Eh, that's going to be edgy. That's going to piss some people off. I go, good. He's like, are you not nervous about, you know, like canceling? Like, what if you had something taken down? Who cares? Like, one, I think about it this way, just practically practically. If I wasn't doing the show, if I didn't write my book, if I didn't have my master class coming out January 2nd, if I wasn't writing my second book coming out next year, and I wasn't doing my speaking engagements and coaching of people all on the side, my life literally would not change. In fact, I would probably free up, you know, paying my brother for social media paying my marketing team, like I I would free up all that time. So I don't need to do any of this. And so if someone didn't like, like Instagram or, you know, Twitter or X or LinkedIn was like, yeah, what you said was really, really edgy and we're not going to let it out. Okay. Well, I'm still going to put it up because I know how valuable it is. And they go, okay, well now we're going to have to, you know, basically swipe you from existence. Canceling is kind of a badge of honor now, if you think about it, like, it's like, whoa, why was he? Oh, because then people want to know why was this guy taken down? Because we're, we're, we are curious as a species, like that's how it works. And so then people go, oh, well, he was, I mean, but what, I kind of agree with what he was saying. So like, mm-hmm. what's the deal? 
you know? So for me, it's the combo of like, I don't need to do any of this. And there's also a fun fact. My mom, this was probably a month or two ago. She calls me. She goes, Chris, I read a staggering article today. I go, really? Mom, tell me what it was. She goes, do you know that no matter what you do, 10% of people will never like you? <laughs> and I thought, that's a great stat. Because if <laughs> someone, <laughs> it's extremely helpful because that means that if you meet someone and you go into this meeting or this, you know, date or whatever the case is, and you know there is nothing you can do on the face of the earth that is going to change this person's mind. They hate you. They do not like you. The next nine, by definition, will either like or love you. So I've been in meetings where they just suck. And now that I know this fact, I'm like, dude, yet you know the next meetings that you have are going to be euphoric because you know, you're just getting the bad eggs out. And then God forbid you have a couple in a row that just hate your guts. You should be set for the next month of just utter fulfillment. <laughs> Knocked them out. <laughs> and, you know, so it's, you know, as far as like the being unapologetically yourself, it comes down to, yes, knowing who you are, knowing that everyone does have value that they can offer this world, knowing that the more you read, the more you succeed. That is super cheesy. Yes, that I just pulled that out of my rear end. But it's the honest to God truth. If I didn't read that fact, I wouldn't have known statistically what was behind the how many people will like you, how many people will hate you. Wouldn't know that. Even if half of the people hated you in the United States, that's like 150 million people that are going to like or love you. Think about that. Like, you don't need a ton of people to like or love you. You just need a yeah. few good ones. Actually, you need a few great ones. It's the whole idea of what I call the concentrated portfolio lifestyle. You know, if you look at all the most successful people in the world, they didn't diversify. They had one business and they held on to that for dear friggin' life. I've taken that mental model, whether it's investing, whether it's planning, whether it's my friendships, whether it's my business Fitness. partnerships, <laughs> like it works everywhere. You don't need a lot, but the things that you have in your life, you better make sure they're great. Yeah, I love that. And thank you for sharing your perspective on being unapologetically yourself. And I think I had this observation a few weeks ago now. My wife has a a celebrity crush on Matthew Gray Googler. For anyone who knows who that is, he's he's one of the actors on Criminal Minds. <laughs> and oh, like okay. Matthew okay. Ma Ma Matthew Gray Googler has this thing that he does called Googler Ween, and he's obsessed with Halloween. And he does this. He's a weird dude, and he is not afraid of being one? a weird is dude. Is he the nerdy one? Yeah, with he's like... the nerdy, okay, nerdy, okay. good-looking dude. He's he's a good-looking dude. I I totally respect Leo's celebrity crush. One hundred percent. He's got a peculiar look, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I know so that, you're talking about. That's Matthew Gray Googler, but like he did this Googler Ween special or whatever, where he was walking around being, he was like the genie as his Halloween costume. And he was just being weird as shit. Like these people on the street are like, who the hell is this guy? And I, I, this, this kind of made me realize it's like, people have mad respect for people that are willing to be unapologetically self because themselves, because most people aren't willing to do it on them on their own. So when they see someone that's being unapologetically themselves, it's like, holy shit, that's so brave. It is so brave to be yourself. Um, and I think that is a characteristic that many people respect because if you look at the comments just kind of talking about what you said is like there's going to be some people that love you it's like if you looked at the comments of those videos i did because i was curious it's like it, everybody respected for how unafraid he was to just be this really weird version of himself and so i i thank you for sharing your perspective on that because i think it gives everyone that permission to know yeah 10 percent of people might not actually agree with you statistically and that that's just going to be completely okay and that shouldn't prevent you from knowing yourself like doing the deep work on yourself to uncovering your purpose but then also being committed to living that out in everything that you do so i appreciate you you sharing your perspective there oh man chris this is this has been so much fun i i know i want to be respectful of your time so i'll just i'll kind of wrap up a, a, with a final question here and then we can kind of conclude things for today but one of the questions i like to ask guests when i get the chance is how has curiosity impacted your life how how has curiosity served you in your journey and your career as an entrepreneur and personally as well so my initial thought was if you have a gut instinct about something but you don't know why you're having that feeling now granted like you know if you look out of the corner of your eye and some dude is walking down an alleyway with a gun pointed at you you don't need a reason like 
run. But if you are doing something you love, you're on this quest, you're on this journey, which is such a gaming term. We, we could have spent a whole nother section or, or a whole nother show just talking about video games as a side note. But if you're on this quest, you're on this journey, you know, know what your purpose is and you know you're going to stop at nothing to get it. And along the way, there are things that come up and you're curious about it. Like your gut instinct is saying either this isn't right, something's off, or I need to dig deeper. Do not hesitate. Stop what you're doing and commit to figuring out what that is. Because that's going to lead to confidence. You know, like why can I sit down just hypothetically, with someone that is going to sell their business for $20 million. And I don't have the Wall Street names behind me. I don't have a ton of analysts in my back pocket. I don't need it. I know what I'm doing. So why is that? Because every single time I've had curiosity in something that I am obsessed with, but I'm not quite sure what it means, I will not stop until I find out every inch of why that curiosity thing is the way that it is. And then you just start adding in layer upon layer upon layer. You will become so confident in what you do that you can walk into any situation and know, dude, I got this. So that's how curiosity has been super helpful for me. And for your listeners, if you have that, that itch, that tickle in your pickle, if you will, you need to go and stop what you're doing and figure out why, what, how, when, where that thing is the way that it is. And you do that time and time and time again, your foundation and whatever you decide to do will be so much better than your competitions. Clients or, or customers, whatever you want to call it, guests, followers will move mountains to join you. I love that. Oh man, I, I, that is so good. I'm just going to add a teeny little thing to that. Cause I think it was so brilliant. I will also just, it was, it was a reminder for me that it is never a waste of time to chase your curiosity. Cause I've done that where I'm like, why am I chasing this rabbit hole? And I'm going down here for forever and ever and ever. And I don't, I'm like, I, I don't know what, what came from that. And then three years later, I'm like, holy shit. I'm so glad I went down that rabbit hole three years ago <laughs> and I couldn't sleep because I was figuring that thing out because it comes full circle. So thank you for that permission and that, that, that desire to chase that curiosity. Cause it's so important. So man, Chris, well, this is been so much fun. Obviously, anyone can go check out the your book, Capitalize Your Finances, the how-to financial framework that takes you from compounding clueless to monetarily magnificent. We'll have that linked up in the show notes. But tell them a little bit more about your podcast and some of the other stuff that you have coming on uh, so they can continue to follow you in your journey. Yes. So, so there are multiple ways to get a hold of me. If you are cheaper than cheap and you just want free advice, head on over to Spotify, type in Capitalize Your Finances. We have episodes out every Monday. If you want the book, like Brandon was saying, head on over to, to Amazon and type in Capitalize Your Finances. It's going to be up there. We just hit bestseller last week. Pretty cool. Nice. If you were saying, hey, I want to follow along with uh, Chris, the Captain Capitalize in his journey, you can go to Instagram. That's where we're the most active with our followers. Type in Captain Capitalize, or you can try typing in my first and last name. Good luck with that. And then if you are on LinkedIn or X, you can type in Christopher Ponio too on both of those or on X, you can type in cap and capitalize. And then special announcement. I know I sprinkled it in earlier in the episode. We actually have our first masterclass of capitalizing your finances coming out January 2nd. And so if you're following me along on Instagram, you will see the release. You'll see the website. You'll be able to pay for it instead of wasting goggles and goggles of money on useless college planning courses that are three, four, five, six thousand dollars for 250 bucks, you will have yours truly guiding you through the entire step of your financial framework that you are going to need. And best of all, we are going to be partnering with people like Brandon Fong. So maybe if you are fortunate enough, you can get a little discount. So that nice. is where you can follow me. That is where you can support me. And you know, Hit us up on capitalizedpodcast.com if you have questions or if you want to be a guest on our show. We we look at that every single day. Love that. Amazing. Well, I just checked out when this episode will be coming out. We'll be coming out 
unless I don't want to say anything definitively, but towards the end of January. So the, the course will most likely be out by then. So we will make sure we link that up in the show notes. And like you said, Chris, like you gave plenty of options. So check out the podcast if that's what you want to check out. Check out the book, check out the course, whatever it is that suits you in your journey. But it's another one of those things where you can be an ostrich and bury your head in the sand, or you can learn about some of the foundational principles about setting yourself up for a financial future. I know we didn't dive too much into the nitty gritty, but you got some of the foundation of uncovering your purpose and leveraging that for decision-making today. So man, uh, just going to really quickly have a conversation with you listening as I always do. And I just want to say, I am so grateful for you. Seriously, you could be listening to so many other podcasts. You could be consuming so many other things, but you chose to be here and you are still hanging out, listening to my voice, which means that you have found something in here that has been super valuable. So whether that was just listening to Chris's story and him talking about the fact that it took five years to get things going or learning about his, his journey with Mr. K in seventh grade or the, the note that his mentor gave him and flew out to gave on give him and that that really sparked things for him or even hearing about the point that chris literally had 11 dollars in his pocket yet I, we didn't say this but in the bio he's managing 135 million dollars so this guy has, has has been through the ringer and he is here to share his journey so my ask is that if you heard something that impacted you that was something that you needed to hear that you think a friend might need to hear you just take one second to share it with them and you have no idea the impact that this could create on their life they might not even ever tell you about it but if it's one of those things where you can make a massive contribution by just doing that so whether you choose to do that or not I appreciate you so much for listening. And Chris, any final things you want to say before we head out today? Dude, if I if I had to just say one thing, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. It, it is getting to a point now where it's not necessarily me chatting with you on Instagram. That's my team. But every once in a while, if you get a really colorful response, that's probably me directly. <laughs> but like I tell all of my listeners, all of my fans, very similar, Brandon, to you. Thank you for listening into Brandon's podcast. Come on over to our podcast if you want. And as always, keep capitalizing. Heck yeah. Appreciate you, brother. And we'll talk to you soon.